Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tech Salescraft with me, James Hounslow. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Nicola Atchison. Welcome. Thank you for having me, James. I really appreciate it. This is a phenomenal treat for a Monday afternoon for me. (laughs) No worries. Really appreciate you coming on to um, the show, Nicola, because you've got some really great experience in growing sales teams. And uh, through our conversation that we had last week, I think the audience will learn a great deal on how to build playbooks and how to get hiring right. But as a way of getting started, do you want to just give everybody an understanding of who you are and what you've been up to in your sales career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, first of all, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, you know, thank you for the nod of my experience. I, like everyone else, am an absolute accidental salesperson. Um, I'm possibly even more of an accidental sales leader. So I, I came into the world as a techie. Yeah, I started in tech support, actually on a shipyard. Uh, I don't think you could get much more northern than that. So uh, I hope you're going to subtitle or dub this for my yes. answer. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I started on a shipyard in tech support and that was fine because I was out and about, I was on the, on the yard, you know, talking to the guys, fixing problems and all kind of thing. And then when that contract ended, I ended up in a contact center for an accountancy, accountancy software firm and I was on tech support and it was, it was okay, but I think we don't do a great job of thinking about, you know, what's going to, what's going to make us happy, what's going to light our fire in terms of our career. And day by day, I was just, I was just getting through the days. So ever the mischief hunter, I started making a game for myself um, about trying to sell people who have problems, the latest version of the software. So, you know, thinking, okay, you've got a problem in doing this. I know the latest version of the software does that. So it was kind of that way I accidentally fell into sales. Um, Floor manager up in sales noticed that my leads were converting, invited me there for a little holiday. And I don't know, maybe, God, it must be 20 something years later, I'm still in sales. So yeah, that's how, that's how I find myself in sales. And you kind of grown through the sales execs path all the way through into, into leadership. What do you think looking back on your success from that, what, because I'm a big believer that success leaves clues and when you moved into it what kind of made you feel like you were going to be successful and then looking back at it what made you successful as a salesperson wow um so like that phrase success leaves clues I've you know I I I subscribe to that too and I think what I've always been really good at is picking up mentors or at least role models Mm -hmm. so you know I remember in that first um sales job um, it was hard, you know, it was an outbound, cold dialing, um, traditional SDR type role. And um, I sort of, you know, the sales leader there, it was a, he was a phenomenal guy, really talented, loads of great information. And, you know, I really just made him a bit of a, a mentor. Yeah. Um, quickly after that, I was, I was leading teams. Um, and wherever I've been, I've made it my business to look at the, the best of the best in, in the company and think, what are they doing? What is it that puts them over the edge? Similarly, I love to read. And that's the, the biggest thing. I have a little boy and that's yeah. the number one thing I want to get into him is a love of reading. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's that saying that, you know, formal education will get you a job, yeah. but, you know, self-education and development, that will build you a life. Yeah. And I, I really believe in that. So every year when I go on my holidays, I like to do one thing on my, on my big holiday. For the first couple of days, I read Jaws. <laughs> I do it every holiday and I wonder why I never go and see. Yeah. 
But then after that, I get down and I reread a sales book. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And yeah, the fundamentals I don't think change, but I think it's always great to have a refresher. So I'll read a book on sales, as in like yeah. bag carrying sales. Yeah. And then I'll read a book on sales leadership. And then I'll pick up something I don't know so well, you know, maybe looking more at marketing or product development, that kind of thing. So here, here's a question for you. Do, do you think the types of books that you read, do you think that changed when you moved into leadership? from when you were a salesperson? No, no, not especially. Um, I do read books on sales leadership. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some fundamentals there around, you know, just treating people well, never messing with their comp, staying yeah. out of their time off, yeah. you know, and fighting for them. But I don't think you really need a whole yeah. book to be looking at. But I think in terms of being a salesperson, um, I remember my first book that I read, it was um, Richard Denny, Selling to Win. Wow. And I must have been, I must have been seventeen when I read that book, and I'm quite a lot older now. Um, and I reread that book uh, about eighteen months, maybe two years ago. Yeah. I tell you what, the fundamentals don't change. Right. You know, don't spray features at people. Ask some questions. Yeah. Come back with your value prop in the parameters or frame of their challenge. So I don't think my books have changed yeah. too much. But yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you buy new ones because new ones come to the market and you can't just carry on reading the same. But the fundamentals, yeah. Unless it's, unless it's Jaws on your holiday, because that's amazing. It's, it's, it's an amazing book. <laughs> I recommend it to all avid swimmers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're a top salesperson. What made you decide to take the leap into uh, management? And I like to ask that question because, one, you're going to take a hit on your salary, particularly in your first couple of years. And normally, the art of being a great salesperson is being one of the most selfish people in the room. That doesn't go hand in hand with being a great leader. And it's a huge thing that you have to change and, and, and adapt. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to, to do that? Yeah, I mean, that, that is a good question. And it's one probably I'd want to get more introspective on. But I'd, uh, I can give you a knee-jerk response in that I was that typical salesperson. I was the lonest of the lone wolves. Yeah. Um, I was never happier than when I was on a solo hunt and taking something from the competition. Oh, wow, yeah. the thrill of that chase. But I think like I became an accidental salesperson. I became yeah. an accidental sales leader. Yeah. And you find yourself in spots where... People are recognizing your success, which is obviously tremendously flattering, and they're looking to replicate that in other individuals. I think I've been lucky in that some of the roles I've had have been through um, people that I've worked with in other companies who've become friends, who've approached me to run sales in their org. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you kind of have that personal investment because you're one of the first in the door. And also you have that connection with your friend and you want them to do well. Yeah. So you're a bit less cagey about sharing your skills and experience because you, you know, you're pushing towards a bigger target yeah. than just your own. I think it was taken on a sales role yeah. in a startup for my friend yeah. who ultimately I just wanted to see absolutely knock it out of the park. Interesting. Well, look, that leads us on to probably where I want to spend a bulk of the uh, the conversation is, is your role in this startup as a, as a salesperson because you went in there, you built that, and there and and there is eventually a, an exit out. So I'd love to understand day one when you arrived, what was there, what was around you, <laughs> what sales processes were there, if, if if any, what was that first bit like, and then we can see how you built it out from there. 
Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I was, you know, so lucky. Yeah. I'd worked with this person, I think, in one or two previous roles, and um, they came back for me, which is always really flattering. Yeah. Got in the door, and I think I was like fourth employee in something like that, and I was going to be the first actual dedicated salesperson. They had an account manager in, and they had an SDR in, but in terms of being out face to face with customers. And what did we have when I got in the door? Well, wow. <laughs> we had a slide deck because the product wasn't quite finished yet. <laughs> so that was great. And that was um, that was a challenge. But we had a fantastic team spirit. And I do think we're genuinely all yeah. pulling in the same direction. Yeah. I think what we lacked in terms of a product and sales processes, we made up for an agility. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'm certainly seeing in the market right now. I'm seeing the sort of scrappy little company that I used to be a part of come yeah. up against in big pitches and they're doing well because they're very agile. Yeah. And we were, we were like that, you know, we'd come, we'd, I'd come up against an opportunity, we'd get in a room, myself, the MD, head of client services, and we'd leave, or head, and head of dev, yeah. and we'd leave that room with a plan to win. Yeah. And I think it, that was, you know, part of how successful we were. Later on, you know, we got fancier and we started deploying tools like HubSpot and Salesforce and um, there was a forecasting tool. I can't remember now. I think it was like, yeah, it was like Deal Navigator or something like that. Um, so we did get we did get slicker. Yeah. Um, we, of course, as well as, as you go into the market, you start to find your sweet spot and, and why you're having success. So you start to understand the verticals to go after and you can start really, you know, honing on those. So it was about building that momentum and finding our niche in the market. Um, as it turned out, that was education. And once yeah. we understood that, we were able to sort of split into two divisions. Uh, so we had the corporate division and we had education. Um, I picked up the reins on education. Mm-hmm. and We had a great time there. We had some amazing wins. We were, we were like the bumblebees of the software world. Like nobody told us. That yeah. we couldn't fly because we were too fat. We were flying yeah. anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. And then um, in time, I took on the corporate division as well. Yeah. And then ultimately, um, we had an exit to a large educator. Yeah. Um, I was in there one day just to do a sales pitch. Yeah. And um, they liked us so much, they actually bought the company. Uh, so that was, you know, that was that was fairy tale stuff. And, I'm, I, you know, to this day, yeah. I still feel so lucky to be yeah. to be able to have been a part of that journey. So when you first arrived there, was there a product market fit and was pricing fit for purpose? No, I mean, we had so much to learn, so yeah. much to learn. Um, the, the, the product, I always think about it, and we were focusing on corp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had some good blue chip brands in there, but it was a testing platform. It was an assessment platform. Why from day one, we weren't ripping and a tearing into education was beyond me. So I made it my business to have a little dabble there. And, you yeah. know, sure enough, we, we hit gold. And yeah. once we found that, we were off and away. Yeah. What made you know that that was going to be the place that the gold was going to be at? First of all, you know, testing and assessment, education, it's got to be a fit. Yeah. Uh, it's common sense, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes that's the thing. The answers are there staring you in the face if you'll mm-hmm. only just believe it. So I think that yeah i i don't really have a better answer than it you know yeah. to me to me it was it was blatant i yeah. think one of the things just going back to my point on, on agility yeah there are so many tools for yeah. testing assessment exams in the market 
but they're quite rigid. So we were agile in terms of the functionality that we had, but having our own in-house development team, we could add new functionality fairly rapidly. So going into an educator and saying, you know, hey, we can give you a platform that's used by this company, this company, this company, but you can work with us to develop a layer of functionality that will make it your own or solve a particular challenge versus building something from the ground up, which is going to be time, labor, you know, uh, budget, you know, all of those things are going to be challenging for you. Mm. How about you work with us where we've got the 75% and we'll get going. And it was a compelling message. Yeah. So um, I love the idea of being agile. Um, and and one of those things, particularly against those larger organisations where they've got particular processes and a particular format you have to do, and particularly in the market that we have right now. But when you're agile and you adapt, you get in there, how do you keep up with process and having a playbook where you bring somebody in who's never done it before and you're like, right, um, there's actually an A to Z of how we do this and we'll pick uh, which letter we're going to do depending on who we're, who we're talking to. So how important do you, do you firstly... Is process important to you? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's important, but it's certainly not the only thing. Yeah. Um, I think when you know when I think about my current process, you know, we're a large, large company. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of processes uh, in play, and some of those we just can't flex away from. You know, it'd be in terms of you know, legal compliance, that kind of thing, yeah. or the way we store data and information. But the pandemic has taught me that agility you know, must remain at the epicenter of everything that we do. So I've spoke about those new kids on the block who are coming to us who are more agile than us and they've caused us challenges. So we need to look, we need to look internally at our own playbook Mm -hmm. and think, okay, well, what do we lean into? What do we step back from? Who are the personas that we are going to, you know, remain talking to? But some new ground or some new geography or a new vertical that we're going to get after because we're finding it, you know, these new kids on the block are maybe giving us too much trouble at the low to mid end. So I think the sales book, the sales playbook is important. And, you know, in terms of going into 2022, I have my playbook, but I've always got one eye on the unpredictable. Um, And, you know, if anything, what's happened in the last 18 months, two years has, has told us that there are some things that you just cannot no. fully mitigate for. So yeah. it's important, but it's not the only thing. And how long had you been at this startup before you had a playbook that you knew was right and, and was bang, this is what we got. How many iterations did you have of it? When did you even decide to start putting the playbook in, in, in place? Yeah. Do you know, I don't think it was ever uh, that formal. I don't think we ever sat down and said, you know, this is our playbook. I think it was more sort of organic. And yeah. it was a result of the fact of, you know, by the way we were scaling the team. Um, it got to the point where that knowledge transfer for me as a sales director, as I was then, um, transferring that across, you know, 8, 10, 12 individuals, it was patchy yeah. at best. Um, so laying down, you know, here's our value prop. Here's, you know, here's where we're doing well. Um, here's the, the message. Here's how we, here's how we pitch. Here's how we win. Here's our internal processes to get a deal booked. Here's how we bill. These are our payment terms and so on and so on. Um, here are common negotiation strategies. Here are how we handle POCs. Yeah. Um, all of that information, you know, needed to be transferred. But I don't think it ever became the you know, formal uh, to the point where it was all documented and you know given out on day one. Yeah. There's a lot of on-the-job learning um, in startup world. 
like it. Um, so when did you know you were ready to hire um, and build the team out? Because some people do it based on the opportunities that are there. Others do it based on the fact that they've taken investments and they need to increase uh, revenue. So the, the way through that is to bring in, in more headcount. Yeah. So within this organization, how did you decide when you were going to hire? Yeah, so, so back at that organization, I was super fortunate in that the MD was a career salesperson. Yeah. Um, so he was actually sales by choice. So yeah. he's always been incredibly supportive of growing the sales team. Yeah. And then the moment, you know, we could show momentum. He was there with a checkbook. Yeah. Um, he always wanted to have the, the engine fully stoked. Uh, yep, of course, you know, he took on investment and we'd be looking for a run rate. We'd be looking to point at a pipe. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, I really love being part of a large, large org now. Yeah. Um, when I go back to private equity, you know, I think I would, but in terms of when I'm interviewing or, or when I'm being interviewed, I'll always be looking to understand the mindset and culture behind the MD or the CEO. Yeah. You know, are they sales? Are they sales minded? What's their background? Uh, yeah. Because I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. You're looking to hire. You've got the full backing uh, from from everybody. What what do you do first? How do you understand what type of salesperson that you're looking for and then how do you go about going and finding them okay so particularly to the startup or where i go now because they're different things it is this is true so if we look at the startup now when you're in the startup what was what was that like yeah i mean in 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 the startup i'll be honest there was a lot of hiring from my network yeah because the pressure i don't think it was pressure you know sometimes you have pressure and it's a very toxic environment and it was more this sort of pressure that you put upon yourself, being part of that small team, wanting to do well as part of that highly visible small team. So there was a lot of hiring from yeah. my network and, you know, the, the network of you know, others in the team. Yeah. And I think that comes with its own challenges as well, because it's, of course, harder to lead someone. You perhaps were a colleague of yeah. the agency. Um, I think in the um, in the startup, it was less about agencies and more about networking referrals, if I'm honest. Yeah. And once you'd secured those and also you, you kind of knew of them, how important was onboarding and what process do you put in place, particularly as you were probably still quota carrying yourself and yeah. you were A, trying to close deals, uh, B, trying to coach and lead other people, interviewing. How important was onboarding and what process do you have in place for that? Yeah, so the onboarding, again, you know, really fast, scrappy, agile. So it would, you know, fairly standard. Day one, you know, learning the company, learning the product, and meeting greet with all what must have been six or seven employees. <laughs> and then um, just spending time with each. So you, you would literally walk into the office and you would see, you know, this suited and booted salesperson sitting down next to somebody in support for the day, yeah, going yeah. out with somebody in client services, you know, to, to chat to customers at an account review, um, sitting in the midst, you know, on a developer pod uh, and being bored of tears because they're a salesperson and they don't know what's going on. Uh, but there was a lot of that, a lot of um, really not only bringing people into the, the product, the company, but also the culture yeah. and building those sort of relationships in amongst the teams. In the early days, culture was so important um, it would be disastrous to get somebody in who was, you know, fast, dangerous, yeah. and really, you know, and, and, and that can happen, of course. Um, but it was something we were keen to avoid. Now that you've been through that 
you were successful there. You spent a lot of time in a corporate environment now. You've got the benefit of hindsight. If you went back into that startup now at the same stage in, you, in your career that you were then with the benefit of the knowledge that you have now, is there anything that you'd do differently if there was somebody, um, a, a, a Nicola, going in to do that now that you would give advice to on saying, right, this is how I'd do it if I did it again? Probably that changed me. I've made all sorts of mistakes, um, all sorts, and I've been really lucky that I've picked up sort of mentors along the way yeah. since where I look back and I go, that wasn't too crash hot, Nicola. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, just getting some getting some feedback that, you know, Nicola, not everyone's like you and you don't have to be the person that calls it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, recognizing that people work at different different sort of paces. Yeah. Sales are very fast, frenetic, yeah. you know, pace. Yeah. Whereas somebody on support or development or whatever, you know, they have a more methodical approach. Mm-hmm. And I think being more respectful of those different styles yeah. and working with people to achieve better outcomes, mm-hmm. being sort of less less driving, I think, yeah. and less reactive. Certainly. Chewing on a pro- chewing on a problem. Yeah. Um, I think in the past I've reacted perhaps too quickly yeah. to solve an issue. Yeah. Where if I'd perhaps left it for a day or two, the issue nine out of ten times will resolve on its own yeah. with the people who it should resolve with. Yeah. Just get out of the way. Let heads of departments do their job yeah. rather than leaping into everything. Yeah. You become that sort of. Um, helicopter sales leader that gets dropped into everything and it's not necessary and it treads on the toes of those that are infinitely able to do it yeah Uh, just a couple points on those i think from my experience through talking to sales leaders and great salespeople, i think they all make mistakes because they're risk takers and um and i think you know the 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 list of mistakes are, are 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 huge but the learns are incredible. So the wins are um, are so much higher. And I, and I totally get where you're coming from in the beginning when you're taking these leadership roles. You just want to solve everybody's problems just to get them going. And then you realise that when you want to scale, you if you're solving everybody's problems, you can't do your day job and you can't allow them to think for themselves. And I got taught, uh, one of my uh, great mentors who made me immediately bring in the traffic light questioning system uh, which was um they could only ask me a question immediately if they couldn't carry on with their job so it was basically there's nothing else that you could do unless you know the answer to this then you can come and ask me and then it went down to orange and green depending on on how early it was and it got to the point where they would work it out for themselves because they tend to know the answer they were just looking for reconfirmation or or sometimes people would make a problem bigger than what it actually was and and you're right sometimes when you just take a step back and go I don't need to go at that right now actually we can just think about it and 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 actually come to the right answer and I have got countless times where I've made a decision and then two days later my decision is different <laughs> because they had time to think about it and actually realize actually that was the wrong at the time I totally get why I made that decision yeah but taking time to to sit and think you can say right actually there's a better way to do this and then allowing other people to come up and solve problems because there are better problem solvers than me out there 
So, um, you know, to, to, to allow other people to add their bit, uh, have found has been way, way more valuable for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I think it's a matter of empowerment as well. Yeah. You know, some people will sit with a title, mm-hmm. um, but don't feel very empowered to make decisions or, you know, implement something that could solve a problem mm-hmm. because everyone is so used to escalating to a single point. Um, so I've had that be me. I've had it be you know people who that have led me as well, and it's um, it's incredibly limiting. It creates you know silos. It creates blockers. Um, so I think you know sometimes I'll sit there on my phone and I'm watching an email chain unfold, and I am like, <laughs> you yeah, want to get insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately, like I said, if I leave it a couple of days or you know don't wait in, then you know, the, the right outcome is reached, but it, it is, it's it's hard not to, to leap in. And it's not great for the individuals involved because people will forever come with a helicopter yeah. unless you step back. That's right. How different is the corporate world? Is it that different to being in the, um, in the startup? And if it is different, how have you adapted? Yeah, for sure. It's different. I think, you know, I'd love to sit here and say, oh, it's, it's magnificent. We have so much money, so much budget. We just, you know, throw throw 10 million at marketing and the leads roll in. Yeah. Uh, not a bit of it. So I think that, you know, there are pros and cons. It's fantastic working with a market leader, with a brand, mm-hmm. with established products that are mature, functionally rich, deep, all that kind of thing. And for me personally, the opportunities I've had put in my path in my current org have been life-changing. You know, um, you know, I, I'm not ashamed to or afraid to, you know, heap praise on that. Some of the frustrations, though, I think, you know, coming from the startup world, I feel sometimes that things are slow. Yeah. And, you know, you feel constrained by process. And, you, you know, you can't understand why something as straightforward as, you know, a five a five word amend on a contract may take four or five days because yeah. it needs to go through the correct channels for legal approval and so on and so on and so on. Whereas it used to be you'd take that document yeah. to the MD and you'd be like, look, client wants this term. Yeah. And you'd agree to get it done. So pros and cons. Again, from a personal perspective, um, I have got to meet so many um, amazing people. I have a full deck of new mentors that, you know, sort of don't even know their mentors to me. I just look at them from afar and think, yeah. what would that person do in this situation? So that's been great. And of course, people that I mentor as well. Um, one of the most, the, the best things about this job is people reaching out and asking me to mentor them. That yeah. is a vast compliment. Yeah. And in those conversations, it's, yeah, it's normally me that probably works, walks out of those with more value and more ideas uh, and impressed at, you know, at, at what the future could hold for us. Yeah. So on the whole, it's positive. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned that hiring, you look for different, you didn't look within your network so much yeah. in hiring in the, in, the, in the corporate world. Why is that? And, and what type of people do you tend to look for when, when yeah. hiring where you are now? So, yeah, it's really different. Um, So back in the day, because we were selling one product and the value prop was really clear, I'd just be looking for individuals with sales experience, individuals I could trust as well. That was huge to me because we were so small. And now, because right now today, I look after probably nine products. I'm looking for people who will ultimately run their own mini org within my org. Yeah. Um, So it's important for me that this person 
has, you know, is, is really strong commercially and can, you know, can stand on their own two feet. It's important that they have domain and industry knowledge. It's ideal for me if they've sold a similar product before. And then we get into the, you know, the, uh, the macro geography. You know, yeah. sometimes I'm looking for languages. And all of this means that if I go to just my network, I may come away with an empty begging bowl. Yeah. So it's about, we have an internal talent team who do a fantastic job for us, but it's also about working with recruitment partners because my needs are so niche. And I mean, looking into 2022, there are some hires that I need to make that will make or break yes. next year. Yeah. So recruitment partners and agency, you know, getting that done is intensely important to me right now. Is there anything that you do in your interview process that kind of stands out to help identify <laughs> key candidates that, um, that you think could be a success? And I was talking to Chief Revenue Officer out in San Francisco and she was saying that she, she deals in a world of quite complex solutions and she gets people to do a brain teaser in the interview process. Mm-hmm. And um, she goes, I'm not looking for, obviously, somebody super intelligent but the reason i do it is that i want people to try and um, look at problems and try and solve them um, and it's how they go about it and look, i'm not going to give them the answer but i expect them to ask some questions but be really excited about solving the problem but they kind of like oh it's not my thing then it's kind of like they're not right but the really interesting thing is what she does is that she'll eventually tell them the answer Okay, and then she'll get them to talk it back how they did it as though she had no idea so what she's saying there is that I want them to be able to try and tackle the problem but then be able to take it all in and re-say it okay. um, and and because she needed that because we're quite complex in where we are and we're trying to fix problems yeah. um, and I found that a really fascinating way to see whether someone's going to tackle a problem and absorb it in uh, in which is quite a different way is there anything that you do um, or questions that you ask to make sure that you've got the right person so i'm smiling here because um i had an interview just this morning and the you know the 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 candidate was like this is probably one of the most interesting but most unusual interviews i've been to (laughs) and they actually asked to remain in the process at the end of it which is the first thing okay if somebody doesn't try and close me at the end um, no. Yeah. So, firstly, yes, uh, I'm looking for somebody to close me in an interview. Okay, it's yeah. good relationship, yeah. and also it tells me that they're serious. They want the opportunity, yeah. and that is huge for me. Um, my team, we're a successful team. We've enjoyed yeah. a lot of success. We're used to that success. We don't give up or open up a seat on the de- on the on the team lightly. Yeah. So we only want rock stars. Yeah. I think the other thing I do is at stage one, it's just a chat with me. And it's probably no different to how we're chatting now. I don't really have any any questions that I go back to time and time again. And I certainly don't ask any product questions. The reason I don't ask any product questions is there are so many products. I just don't know. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I am looking to hire people smarter with me, smarter yeah. than me in their field. So there, there are product questions, but they come later. What I'm looking for, and I always say this to them, is um, you're interviewing me. I'm interviewing you. Yeah. Um, if you come come into this team, I want you to stay for a long, long while, and I want you to be happy. Yeah. And that's really important to me. So as much as I'm qualifying you in or out, I want you to qualify me out. Yeah. I'd love it if you got to the edge of this and just said, you know what, Nick, it's not for me. So what I'm looking for there is for them to come and ask all the bold questions. 
yeah. all the really old ones, all the ugly ones that they might not want to ask in an interview. I'm hoping they'll leave them at my door and I'll be able to create a full, you know, an accurate picture of what a day in the life might be like in the job. And, you know, as I say, as, you know, in a sales process, it's all about questions, okay? Yeah. You are paid for the information that you extract, yeah. not for the information you throw up. <laughs> so it's another test there as well. Uh, so questions, 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 but I'm hoping most of them from a candidate end. And do you tend to look when you're going into a process for an A player or do you tend to look for a CB who has the potential to be an A player? Yeah. So externally, I'm looking for, I'll be really honest, externally, I'm looking for A players. And I think the reason I'm doing that is I spoke about how in the startup Back in the startup days, I was going to my network because I, you know, I'm really looking at trust and relationships, connections, all that kind of thing. So I had that in my in my arsenal and armory. Yeah. Whereas when you're going external, um, you don't really have that so much. So you need to really go more on results, run rate, reputation. That you know, that that yeah, that that they're standing. Um, I think. Where I, and I know what you're saying about A players, B players, and C players. Um, I read a book, Jack Welch, uh, Winning, yeah. and it was in there. I love that book. Yeah. When I think about C players, and this is actually wrong to say, um, but I look internally. Uh, it's not that I'm looking for C players necessarily. I'm looking for people to bring up. Yeah, potential. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah, it's a huge part of my job that I that I love. Um, probably the SDR leader does yeah. not move me sniffing around their team. <laughs> But I'm looking for A players in the SDR team who will come to my team as C players and yep. ultimately in two, three, four, five years be end up being that, that A player, that rock star. And we have a, an amazing track record of success in my team in terms of people who joined that, you know, the company very young or yep. as an SDR and, you know, have built themselves up to be, you know, six-figure yep. sales, sales professionals. <laughs> I, I am an absolute massive advocate of the SDR through to Accounters X. And if there isn't a clear path um, through, uh, I think businesses are missing a, um, a trick. Because if you've got a really good SDR, yeah. they're going to leave and they're going to go somewhere else where they can become an account executive. And I think all those that, that the SDR programs that people have is, is an ideal opportunity to see who's got what it takes to move forward. And yes, it is painful to replace good SDRs, but it's even more painful to replace a good SDR that could have been a good account executive um, for you when they uh, when they go to to somewhere else who, who's given the, um, the the opportunity. So, um, oh yeah, I mean it's uh, it's almost like the tale of the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Yes, you, know? you pay these guys, or they'll walk and they'll take all the customers with them. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it time and again. Um, yeah. The companies uh, we do a good job here. Predominantly because I'm the one sniffing around the SDR team, <laughs> but we know we do a really good job. I'm really lucky in that you know I've been I've been invited to sort of part of the interview panels for incoming SDRs, so I've got one eye on you know what's coming in the yeah, door. Yeah. What I would say is I'm seeing some amazing like young candidates coming in. Um, I always hire on attitude, yeah. And what I'm seeing, you know, people who you know started companies on their own um, while at uni. And, and turning profits like wow what yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i was going to concerts and festivals i wasn't doing any of that so yeah i mean all of these people it, it, it is strange now the amount of people that we see at university who 
done some sort of business uh, while they've uh, while they've been there. So, um, Monica, this has been uh, fantastic talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the uh, time. As always, it uh, flies by. If there was one bit of advice that you could give to a up and coming sales leader to be successful, what would yeah. that be? Oh, just one. Uh, yeah. Find out everybody's why. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I've I've, I've had some very standard whys, watches, cars, the yeah. usual thing. But I've been really lucky in that we've I've built relationships with my team to the point where I've known secrets. I've kept secrets. You know, secret engagement rings. Yeah. Um, things like that. Um, I think find out everybody's why chatting in their one-to-ones about how they're tracking towards that why and mm-hmm. um, the money is great in sales it can be great but it means nothing just sitting in the bank it's what the individuals are going to do with it mm-hmm. uh, and similarly you know being vulnerable yeah. talking to people about your why yeah. um, all my team know I've been renovating this farm I'm a single parent and uh, we're all on board with each other's yeah. why's so what you're saying is is that we it looks like a great room that you got there, but there's no walls either side <laughs> as you were waiting. You've got, you've got the fire going on until you've got the heating put in place. All going well? Mia, six months ago, that statement would have been absolutely true. I yeah. had tarpaulins on the wall. I had tarpaulins on the window. I had some walls that weren't even here. Uh, yeah, so it's it's been a journey, but I always say that this is the house. Um, my current team are called Enterprise Solutions. Yeah. And I say this is the farm that Enterprise Solutions built. Nice. <laughs> like it, like it. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate yeah, you. you coming on and um, and sharing with your knowledge. And I'm sure everybody who's watching it will uh, will appreciate you uh, giving it up. Not at all. Thank you for inviting me. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate okay. it very much. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review and subscribe. We want you to get involved with Tech Sales Craft and become part of our growing community. Thanks for joining us.